Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Season 4, Episode 188 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here once again and uh, we'll begin our study this week of our Come Follow Me materials. Uh, There wasn't an episode yesterday, Um, there wasn't really anything additional that I had to share from my study from last week and uh, or from anyone else's study. Uh, but if you do have anything that you've studied, uh, whether it's related to the Come Follow Me uh, study or not, uh, then please share it on the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me, or you can email session at gmail.com, and I'll share that in a future episode. Uh, as I mentioned, today we're going to start this week's study of uh, our materials uh, in June the 11th to June the 17th, studying Second uh, Kings 17 to 25. Uh, now, we are going to start today in 17 briefly, um, because this gives us an important context of what we're about to study. Now, it is at this point uh, that um, the we've got two kingdoms in Israel, and it's not something we've really mentioned so far on this podcast yet, but it's maybe something that you've picked up already, that um, after the reign of King Solomon... Um, the kingdom of Israel was split into two kingdoms, in essence. One was the kingdom of Israel, which was to the north, which included ten of the twelve tribes. And to the south was uh, the kingdom of Judah, which was uh, which involved the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And so this is kind of the situation we have, which is why we've got two kings in Israel. Uh, one ruling the north and one ruling the south. And um, Elijah and Elisha, the um, the experiences and the, and the lessons that we've learned about over the last few weeks, all of those took place in the nor- in the northern kingdom uh, of Israel. And despite Elijah and Elisha's um, important teaching and ministries, which there was a lot of great miracles and faith shown in, um, the kings of Israel uh, were were all wicked. Uh, there wasn't one which was which was righteous. Uh, and to the point that in verse 2 of uh, chapter 17, we have uh, Hoshea, who starts to reign over Israel in Samaria. Uh, and it says, and he, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. So, you know, it says that, oh yeah, he was evil as well, just not as evil as, as the ones that came before. Um, and it, it gets to the point now where the kingdom of Israel have had uh, many chances, uh, and they have forsaken the Lord. They're worshiping idols. They serve Baal, and they re- and at this stage they reject all that the Lord has given them. Um, in verses seven and eight and nine, it says, "For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and walked in the statutes of the heathen." whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel, and of of the kings of Israel which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves under every high hill and under every green tree. Um, And this continues on for a few more verses, but it's basically painting the picture that this kingdom has completely lost its devotion to the Savior, to, to the Lord. Um, to mention that under every high hill 
and under every green tree there are groves and images. And we, we if you remember last uh, one of our previous studies, we mentioned how a grove was often a place which was built up to worship a heathen uh, or pagan god. Uh, and this is to the extent that the kingdom has been lost uh, to the Lord. Uh, and so uh, the Lord speaks um, against Israel uh, and has told them that he has given messenger, messengers and, and sends his word. Um, but it's something which they have rejected. And um, the, the southern kingdom of Judah uh, is mentioned here as well. Um, in verse 19, it says, Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hands of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. So Judah is not faring much better either. But in Judah, uh, we're going to learn about a couple of individuals who perhaps slow uh, this judgment of the Lord uh, from coming to the kingdom of Judah uh, in in the next, well, during this week. A couple of kings which uh, do right in the sight of the Lord and because of their righteousness uh, help to, well, as I mentioned, uh, stop this thing that happens to Israel happening to them now. Uh, Israel is removed. It is captured by Assyria. Uh, and in verse 23, it says, Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. Um, so this is what we know now as the scattering of Israel. And of course, the complete scattering hasn't taken place yet, with the land of Judah still being intact. But the northern tribes in this chapter are scattered, which is... Um, Obviously, it is something which is disappointing or something which could have been avoided, of course, if the people were faithful to the Lord. Um, however, uh, as with all these things, such as the fall of Adam and Eve and things like that, it had to happen, the scattering, because if the scattering did not take place, then there could not be a gathering. And the gathering, of course, is what we undertake today as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are seeking to gather Israel on both sides of the veil. Um, and this gathering is taking place because of what we read right here in chapter 17. Um, the, the, the people, the tribes of Israel are lost. And what we don't mean is that, um, you know, they're the, the hiding in a cave somewhere. But rather, we mean that the generations that have gone from Israel, the the descendants of these people are completely scattered to the point where they don't probably know that they are of Israel themselves. Um, and the we, part of this is to gather them together so that they can worship the Lord once again. Um, Samaria, the land of Israel, is repopulated by other people. And this is why we get this tension between uh, the people in Jerusalem and at, around the, the Saviour's time uh, and the people in Samaria, because, of course, they are seen as strangers, they are seen as not the part of the covenants, they are seen as people who are separate and unknown to these uh, Jewish uh, or to the people in Jerusalem. Uh, so that is why we get that tension uh, that we find uh, during the Saviour's ministry uh, in, the, in the New Testament. 
and why, of course, we have so many references to Samaritans um, being able to potentially be more or as righteous or as connected to to the covenant because of the Saviour's teachings and why the the Israelites who speak to the Saviour have such strong feelings about it. However, as I mentioned, in the land of Judah, uh, we have an individual, a king called Hezekiah, uh, who begins his reign at 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years. And uh, it says in verse 3 that he did, uh, of Second Kings 18, that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And in verse 4, we'll finish with this uh, for today, but uh, we'll continue with his story tomorrow. It says, he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. Now, this is very interesting to me, that um, the, eye, the, the brazen serpent that Moses fashioned, we spoke pre- previously about how it was a symbol of Christ, about how it was meant to be a symbol of devotion and commitment or looking toward the Saviour. But now the, 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 the people of Judah had turned it into an idol. They had turned it into something which directed their attention away from the Lord. And I guess for us today, the question is, is there anything that we do uh, this with? Is there anything that we um, do in the church that we uh, try and complete and accomplish, which draws us away from the fact or the focus of what it was there for? Um, I can't give any specific examples, really. It It will depend on what you do in your lives but i suppose um well it's this has been this discussed before uh, by general authorities uh, as something which for example elder quentin l cook uh, in a who uh, went speaking uh, or writing when he was a 70 in march 2003 in the ensign said uh, quote another sign of spiritual immaturity and sometimes apostasy is when one focuses on certain gospel principles or pursues gospel hobbies with excess zeal. Almost any virtue taken to excess can become a vice. Certain members have wanted to add substantially to various doctrines. An example might be when one advocates additions to the word of wisdom that are not authorised by the brethren and proselytes others to adopt adopt these interpretations. If we turn a health law or any other principle into a form of religious fanaticism, we are looking beyond the mark. Close quote. Uh, and this is what's happened here with this uh, brazen serpent. They've turned it into something which it was not created for, uh, a thing of worshipping an idol rather than directing to the save, to, to the Lord. Thank you so much uh, for sharing this time with us today. We'll continue with Second Kings 18 tomorrow. Um, please do share what you've studied on the Facebook group or via email. And, and until we meet again.